Hello there, and welcome to Gooner U. My name is Dove, and my friend Keith is here to bring me up to speed on everything I don't know about soccer and Arsenal. These couple of weeks featured Team USA's Group B matches of World Cup 2022. Hello, Keith. Hello, Dove. Are you are you enjoying your first World Cup? At times, uh, there were some nail biters. It's been fun, though. I had the the fortunate happenstance to be on vacation for the entire first couple weeks uh, of play from Team USA. So I was at leisure to watch the games live. I think the first game I was traveling. Uh, the first game I had to watch the next day. But uh, every match after that, I was watching live uh, with my father, which was also fun. It was our first time really watching a whole sporting event together sitting on the sofa. We've gone to a couple, you know, we've gone throughout my life to various games in the stadium, but it's our first time actually enjoying recreationally, just like sitting around watching sports. So that was fun. <laughs> and the World Cup's great because, so. you know, it, there's just game after game after game for, for uh, what was that, a week and a half at this point? Two weeks at this point? Yeah, two weeks at this point, yeah. Yeah, it's been a couple weeks. Um, I was really focused on Team USA, so I only watched the USA matches. Um, we'll see next time around in four years uh, how, how I feel about it. But for this time, I've been focused on that. And, you know, I, clearly there aren't going to be as many matches as the field gets narrowed down. And uh, if, if USA doesn't make it past round 16 and England does, I could definitely see myself following England. Beyond that, I have no plan. I will <laughs> have to take it take it one step at a time. So, Oh, fair enough. Fair enough. But, uh, yeah, <laughs> uh, some things to discuss before we get into the meteor topics of World Cup. Um, I want to announce to all of our listeners that we have a new paid subscription in Apple Podcasts. It has bothered me that due to my work schedule and other things that it is very often difficult for me to edit these episodes and get them out to all of you to listen to really close after we listen, after we record them. And so what I've done is we created a subscription. You can try it free for 14 days or it's $1.99 a month or $19.99 a year thereafter. And you get access right now to the raw unedited uh, cut. As soon as we finish recording, I put it up there on Apple Podcasts for you to subscribe to and you can uh, you can download that right after the fact. So um, if you don't want to wait until after too, too much further after the matches that we're talking about or too close to the matches that we're previewing, <laughs> you can, uh, download it a little bit sooner. So uh, I'd love your feedback on that. If you think it's a good idea, if, uh, you'd like to see the price adjusted, whatever your feedback is, I'd like to know. And, uh, wanted to put that out there and see what everyone thinks. So that's one exciting development. Uh, I posted the last episode in such a manner, but no one knew about it. So I don't, I don't expect anyone has listened to that yet, but, uh, but for this match today, which also, <laughs> unless you happen to notice it when you were looking at last week, uh, it might be a little bit tougher to get this one right away, but starting with our following episode of episode 15, then uh, hopefully <laughs> you can start uh, enjoying our episodes as soon as we are done recording. We'll ha um, we'll have to leave little like Easter eggs or random fun things for people who actually get the <laughs> uncut version. This is the stuff you we had to edit out. Uh, I don't know what that'll be. But yeah, right. <laughs> it's where we tell all the dirty jokes. 
<laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, it's going to be a lot of things like repeating something when I flub it, like I did earlier. If you're listening on the raw feed, you'll you'll catch that. But uh, yeah, I try not to edit too heavily. But uh, there's there's definitely stuff there. It's not going to be quite as smooth on the raw version, and you'll you'll get it all. They won't also have if I edit in a sound bite, like when we were talking about chants or something like that. Um, those types of things that I add in after the fact won't be in there. You'll have to use your imagination or, or YouTube as the case may be. So, so yeah, uh, I, as always welcome feedback. Uh, let us know what you think of that, how it's going. Um, the, the next topic I wanted to cover is uh, there is some exciting news regarding uh, Apple TV's MLS coverage. So starting in 2023, I believe they said that the MLS season starts in February of 2023. I think that's what they said. Uh, for, for you outside the U.S., it's uh, Major League Soccer. That's the United States Soccer League, which we don't directly cover here. We don't really discuss it much except as it pertains to things that are going on outside MLS, but it's exciting to me as someone who's a big Apple fan and actually is integral to the genesis of how we decided to do the show in the first place was me sending Keith a link <laughs> to, uh, to talk about uh, MLS in the first place. Um, but uh, yeah, so what was interesting is they announced pricing, which in and of itself isn't that interesting, except it seems to me low compared to other professional sports packages in the US. It's somewhere on the order of like, and there, there's different prices for people who are already Apple TV Plus subscribers or people who are only uh, subscribing to MLS and not the rest of Apple TV Plus. But it's it's around $13 or $15 a month, depending on whether or not you're uh, an Apple TV Plus subscriber already. And then you can buy the whole season for something like 70 or 80 bucks or something. I mean, I know the the american football packages through direct tv you'll pay like several times that it's it's a lot more expensive it's it seemed pretty cheap to me um but regardless of price the one thing that i find most exciting most encouraging and and pertains to some well i guess the care about cup more than anything else but also my delayed viewing of the games that are on usa that i can't watch live i have to wait until peacock has them the next morning there are going to be no blackouts you can watch every game anywhere inside or i think initially maybe not outside the u.s but as they roll it out outside the u.s um outside the u.s as well you can watch every game even if it, your home team is playing at home you can still watch it through apple tv plus that is something that i'm hoping uh, apple trailblazes with and others start to follow this may be the beginning of the annoying long history of <laughs> sports on tv so uh yeah uh, yeah that'll that part will be really interesting you know we've never really seen a, a full scale uh, streaming only package like this uh you know so many of american sports are dominated by what they're called the regional networks and so they're local telecasts and so for example, I you know by comparison, I have a package from Major League Baseball because I watch the Yankees. Now I live in Houston, and the Yankees aren't on TV here all that often, so I'll watch through Major League Baseball. Mm -hmm. I'll watch and watch the Yankees games, except when they're playing mm -hmm. uh, the Astros or when they're playing the Texas Rangers because I get those channels and I have to watch them directly on TV. But now there is none of that. Apple is the only broadcaster, so in a lot of ways, it's also a lot like the NFL. The, the the American football, where they are only broadcast by Fox, CBS, and and NBC and, and ESPN, so there there is no local broadcast for those. Uh, so it's really kind of an interesting mm -hmm. mix of all of those things, uh, but being done exclusively through streaming. So you know, and and there's a lot of interesting like demographics about you know who watches this, and you know the NFL's fan base sure. is so widespread. You you really, I mean, I should shouldn't say they couldn't. 
as we record, the NFL has a game being broadcast exclusively on Amazon Prime. Right. Right. They've been doing, yeah, Thursday Night Football. Yeah, I heard about that. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, granted, I mean, you'll, I mean, I, I really like professional football, but if, if it's not the Giants, I am not going to watch Thursday Night Football because ugh, I've got better things <laughs> to do with my Thursdays than watch bad football. But, um, yeah, it's kind of interesting to see how that's the kind of directions those are moving in. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's really curious. I'm not surprised MLS is doing this. Uh, the price doesn't surprise me. MLS has l- smaller viewership numbers than every other, you know, the the big the the so-called big four. So Major League Baseball, the NFL, right. the NBA, and the NHL, their viewership numbers are drastically smaller. So, uh, it, yeah, the price is going to be a lot smaller. We, without quoting numbers, I I right. have the N I have Major League Baseball's package. It's more expensive. I used to have the NHLs before it got subsumed by ESPN. It was more expensive. But this is cool. So, so this is so this will be this yeah. will be neat to see. Um, it's yet another subscription I have to sign up for, I guess. But you know, this is I'm, of all the <laughs> of all the expensive habits I could form, I suppose this one's probably one of the safest ones for my health. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So that's encouraging. Uh, I'm anxious to see how how quickly that gets uh, replicated elsewhere, and, and I'm hoping it does. But let's move on to the World Cup. This is my first World Cup that I've ever followed really at all. Um, <laughs> my my memory of the World Cup from years past is that I lived in the Chicago area when they hosted the World Cup. That was what, 94, I think? That was 90, yep, USA 94. Still, by the way, we should point out, still the highest attendance for any World Cup. Hmm. Yeah, good sports fans in Chicago. Yeah. Well, no, I well, no, it, it was a U.S. World Cup, so Chicago was one of a number of host cities around the country. Oh, um, okay, but but no, the 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 U.S. World Cup, even though it only had twenty four teams, still has drawn more fans than any World Cup World Cup before or since. Even though since then they've been hmm. thirty two teams, so yeah, yeah, that's that's an interesting note, and that that was a while ago. They've had time to break that. Ah, interesting, Absolutely. so. Yeah, so I remember that was a big deal that that I lived in one of the big host cities uh, that year. Although I, I, I don't think I watched a single game, but I was aware it was in the air. People were talking about it, and then I didn't really note anything at all about it until I would guess. Let's see, counting back how many? So counting back four years at a time it would have been twenty eighteen, and then twenty fourteen. So it was probably twenty ten. Yeah, it wouldn't have been 2006. So it would have been 2010. The company that I was working in at the time, I work in the financial industry and I would, our offices very often have TVs all over the place that usually show like CNBC and other financial news. Um, and they're visible from every place, <laughs> every desk where you might sit in the office. I remember that they had the World Cup games on and other people would be hooting and hollering as the games were going on. And I had my headphones on trying to tune it out, <laughs> get my work done. But that's that's really as close as I've come to ever following it before this year where I did decide, yeah, this should be fun. I'm going to follow Team USA, see how it goes. So I subscribed from the airport the day of the United States' first match. I was in the airport. I subscribed to Sling Sling's blue plan, which 
If any of you listening have decided that you couldn't watch the World Cup because it requires a cable subscription that's too expensive, uh, Sling has what is typically a $40 a month plan called Sling Blue that contains Fox and FS1, so you can watch all of Fox's coverage. And they have a one-month trial for only $20. So for $20, it was well worth it. I'm going to cancel at the end of the month. I'm really not a huge fan (laughs) of the overall Sling experience, but it's allowing me to watch these games in, in the minimal way necessary which unfortunately is not all that much worse than something like Paramount Plus. Um, There's definitely room for improvement as as is a recurring theme on the show. But um, so I have it set to record every World Cup match with the possibility that maybe I would watch a non-USA match, which didn't end up materializing, but that way I'd be sure that I didn't miss any USA matches because they're all set up as the same program, right? So it's not like I could tell it, just record all the USA matches. It would be nice if if it was smart enough and set up that way, but it's not. So I watched that first match time-shifted, and then um, the next two matches of the group stage, I watched live as they transpired, which I don't think I've ever watched an entire Arsenal match that way, actually. It's worked out that every one of them I've watched time-shifted. I I think there was one match where I watched the first 10 or 15 minutes as the match started, but then I got pulled away by my son, most likely, and and (laughs) had to stop. But so, yeah, it was fun watching it live, um, where the live standings actually had some meaning, and I had to explain them to my father a couple times because he was losing track of, like, wait, what? And, yeah, it broke his brain a little bit, but I think think we got there, (laughs) I think he was following it by the end. And um, I mean, it was, it was, it was a very fraught uh, performance by the U S from what I could tell. I mean, I I know that there are reasons for, I know we're a very young team, um, but I mean, to advance having only scored two goals, I don't know if that's a record. It it seems like it could be. Uh, I don't, I don't know if it's a record on the low end. Scraped by. I don't know if it's a regular yeah, on the no. low end. I, I think the biggest thing really, what what it really says is to go through while only scoring two goals. One of the things it says is just how well we played defensively. And and because this is an mm-hmm. Arsenal-centric podcast, we have to we have to start by giving our props to Matt Turner, Arsenal Arsenal backup. Yeah. Matt Turner, who uh yeah, he's has, done has, great. Yeah. Yeah. And even even the one goal they actually gave up, uh the penalty to to Wales. Uh, he gets a hand on that, which is a penalty. I mean, as you know, it's yeah. really quite impressive. And, you know, it's it's Gareth that Bale. That was very impressive. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so he's he's been very good. He hasn't been tested very much. Um, England was a little low energy, I thought, in their performance. And then the Iranians, you know, obviously in the heat of the moment, it was very tense, especially towards the end. But if you, as you, I've seen some parts of that, especially the last couple of minutes there. They really don't threaten our goal all that much. So, you know, I don't want to pass this off as if he didn't do a lot. I mean, he did very well and distributed the ball (laughs) well. But, yeah, I mean, he wasn't called upon. I I, I reflect back to the last World Cup game the U.S. played in in 2014. Uh, Tim Howard, uh, we lost to Belgium in the knockout stages. Tim Howard made, I think, something like 15 saves. Uh, it was a it was wow. a, a a World Cup it was a World Cup record. I think it still is the World Cup record. Uh, it was it was an impressive performance all around. Because frankly, that we we went we lost two one in extra time, and frankly, we should have lost like three nothing in regulation. They were the Belgium was a lot better than we were, but we yeah. had Tim Howard and o- almost uh, almost almost pulled off that upset, but. 
Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, no, but I, I'm glad you brought up that penalty because I wasn't thinking about that right now. But that was that was an amazing near save on his part. I mean, it was basically from my point of view, he you can't fault him for it. he did everything he possibly could. It was just out of reach. There is no way he could have reached that ball, basically. He did everything right. He went in the right direction. Like you said, he even got a hand on it. And it was just a great kick that went just out of reach. Yep. So. And that's, and that's why we talked about this, right? Penalties in, it, it's such an advantage to the offensive player, to the offense to have the penalty. Mm-hmm. So it, it, I, you know, in a sense, you've, you're kind of praying that they screw up, but Gareth Bale is, is, I mean, he's at the, the, the end of his career and he's not the player he used to be, but he's still an excellent player. He's not going to miss. He wasn't going to miss. Yeah. And frankly, very nearly scored another goal right at the very end. Uh, we, we very well could have easily lost that game. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was. And that's that's the thing is these games for Team USA have been really, really close, like all of them. Like, obviously, the only ones that we well, let's let me remember. So we tied Wales 1-1. Yep. We tied England 0-0. And yes. then we beat Iran 1-0. 1-0, <laughs> yes. So, it was, so, yeah, I mean, it was very, very low scoring and very evenly matched. I mean, for England to go 0-0 was remarkable against that team. I think that was probably our strongest performance, honestly. I think we were lucky yeah. with Iran. <laughs> well, no, yeah, I, yes and no. I, I will say the first half, especially of all three games, but especially of the, the Wales and Iran games, we were we were excellent. And frankly, we were, we were better yes. than England for much of those games. I, the real problem with our roster is that we don't have anybody who can really score goals. Like that's the one yeah. real flaw in the U S roster overall is that it, we don't have people who can finish. And the, you saw that they've been cycling through, through players up top through strikers. And we just don't have a guy that we really trust uh, to put in goals. Yeah. I mean, we, we, that, that Wales game, what terrified me about that game is it really should have been two, nothing or three, nothing at the half. And you saw Wales got themselves back into the game. It was only 1-0, 1-0. And then, you know, Bale wins a penalty, which was totally deserved, we should point out. Was, I've, I have a lot of things yeah. to say about the officiating in that game, but the penalty was the, was the correct call. <laughs> yeah. and, he, and, he, and he buried yeah, no it, and, yeah. we, and it's 1-1. One, you know, one, one. Um, we were great against England, which is one of the better performances, frankly, I've ever seen from a U.S. team, period. Uh, given the caliber right. of the opposition, given England's quality and uh, the fact that they are, I think, still considered among the the, the favorites for the tournament. I think they're one of the teams that's that the, there's a very short list of teams that actually has a real shot at winning. And England is on that list. So, you know, mm-hmm. to, to have that performance. And frankly, we, we dominated Iran for long stretches at, towards the end. Obviously, Iran is desperate. They need a goal. That's the only way they were getting out of the group. And we were we were clearly tiring as well. So, you know, you see that a little bit, I think, in the Premier League, too. One other thing I would add, though, and this is the big comparison between, you know, you've now watched several months of the Premier League. Remember that those guys, you know, obviously they're professionals, but they have been playing together at least, you know, daily for several months, and in some cases for years, you right. know, how long some of these guys have been there. Yeah, they're a cohesive unit. Right? Exactly. The national teams, and this is always true with the World Cup. Everyone seems kind of surprised by it. Wow, it seems really disjointed and really defensive. And then you remember, <laughs> yeah, because they aren't playing together week to week. We get sort of 
we get right. so wrapped up in in you know people especially if you watch the premier league or they watch the champions league or they see these top level teams yeah that's what it's like when you're when you're playing together all the time the national teams just don't have that same kind of cohesiveness right yeah no that, that makes sense i think what I, it didn't really when i was watching and you'd see passes that went into the wrong place which happened quite a bit right they either go into an empty spot that stayed empty or into the other team's possession there's all kinds of plays like that and that i definitely chalk up to what you're saying that yeah it's they just aren't as well gelled as a team right but what was really frustrating i think this was happening to Weya a bunch i think he made the same mistake twice where he's He's got someone guarding him. He's near the goal line and trying to get it into scoring position. And a couple different times in each of the last couple matches that they've played, he would try and maneuver it. And then he'd end up just kicking it out of bounds, out of touch on an unforced error where the first time he slipped and it went out. And the other time he just rolled it with his foot and he just lost it. And that was more frustrating to me when it's individual errors that has nothing to do with the teamwork where it's like, what is, what is this guy? Like, it seems like something he should have better under control or something, you know? Well, yeah. And, and some of that's, some of that's going to be the inexperience and the pressure of the moment. I, you know, it, it's one of, it looks yeah. like, it looks like the same game, right? It's, it's just the same field. It's got the same lines on it. They're playing soccer. Okay. Yeah. But when you sort of get that sense of being in the world cup and you get that, that you kind of get overwhelmed by the moment a little bit, and we, we say some of those are unforced errors. Some of those are kind of forced that he he's put under the pressure. You know, Wales is going to defend mm-hmm. him differently. You know, Lille, uh, he plays at Lille in France. And so he's going to get a different kind of, uh, he's going to face different kind of defenses there than he will with what the Welsh are doing to him. So some of it's, you know, this, That's works, true. Yeah. this works in my club team, but but I'm being defended differently and the international game is different. And so that's just... Yeah, they they look like unforced errors, and they kind of are, but they they are forced maybe in ways that aren't immediately obvious. Sometimes, yeah, that's that's a good point. That's a fair point, and I see what you're saying. Where it's the pressure that causes the error, even though it's not someone else's foot on the ball that's actually causing it. Yeah, I, I can see that. That makes sense. Um, speaking of they're playing on the same field, the same lines, that was actually one question that I had. So we've talked before about varying fields, especially in the U S where it might be multi-purpose fields that are for different sports, um, how the, the size can be different sometimes. Um, so these stadiums or stadia stadiums, (laughs) um, these were built for the purpose of the world cup, right? These are all new that they're playing in. Is that correct? Uh most of them are, uh, you know, Qatar does yeah. have a league, uh, but uh, you know, they they don't draw these kind of crowds. So they they don't. There are just literally well, aren't sure. many people yeah. in the country. Uh, I, right. Um, a good chunk of them are brand new. Uh, you know, it's it's interesting. So typically, these are played. These are played in countries that ha- they have pre-existing stadiums. So the previous two World Cups, Russia and Brazil both of which have pretty well-established national leagues. I mean, yes, many of the stadiums were modernized right. and upgraded, you know, but, you know, or, you know, if the World Cup, you know, in 2006 was held in Germany, I mean, it, the, the Germans, these stadiums have existed. Like, they, they all have their own interesting sure. quirks and other things. So it, it is kind of a, it's almost as much as a, a as neutral a World Cup as you can get, just in the sense that everything is so right. new. I, I 
I'd be well, curious. I haven't seen anything I guess about the, the sizing of the field, so. Yeah, that's right. That's what I was getting towards. And it especially occurred to me. So um, now I'm going to try and pronounce this, what I believe is correctly based on what I've been hearing and tell me if I'm falling short, but is it Pulisic or Pulisic? How do they pronounce the U in his name? Uh, I know that the Pul- first I is emphasized. Yeah. Pulisic, Christian Pulisic, Pennsylvania. Pulisic. Messi, okay. <laughs> yeah. So Pulisic was our exclusive corner kicker until he had to be removed <laughs> from the last game for unfortunate reasons um, after scoring a goal, thankfully. S- sacrificing his body for his country. Yeah, they said it was an abdominal injury, which which yes, is unfortunate. A, con- a he contusion. It, he is day to day, so he he may he. We're on okay. Thursday. The Netherlands is in the the Netherlands game with Netherlands is in two days. He might be ready to play. We'll see. Here's hoping. Yeah, yeah. So so he was our exclusive corner kicker. Every single corner kick was him until he wasn't in the game anymore. And then Brendan Aronson, who came on for him was our corner kicker after he was out of the game. His corner kicks were pretty uniformly mediocre at best. And in a way that led me to question if the dimensions of the field were maybe different because his kicks would sometimes come up short, which I haven't really seen before across all the Arsenal games that we've followed so far of a season. Pretty much, whether it's an outswing or an inswing, they pretty much all make it to about the center of the field toward the goal or away from the goal, depending on who's kicking and what they're trying to achieve. But his kicks were weird and that was just one possible theory I came up with is, oh, maybe maybe the field's uh, bigger and it's just yeah, I, not I reaching think, as far. <laughs> I think what it is is I, 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 that's definitely true against Wales. He was much better against England. Actually, I thought his, his set pieces against England were pretty solid. We just didn't get guys on the end of okay. them. It, somehow, Harry Maguire's giant head pulled them all into orbit and he was able to deal with them well. Um, <laughs> but I... I and then, yeah, he was kind of a mixed bag when he in the time he took them. I, part of it is Pulisic is not a terribly good t- corner taker. Um, yeah. But he may well be, and this is the sort of the standard problem you run into with a national team, which is he may be the best we have. Right. You know, the, right. Uh, our, 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 our team is, is very skilled in a lot of ways, but – you know, as a club team, if you're missing something, you can always go out and buy a player who has that skill set. If you're a national team, you have to hope somebody <laughs> somebody with that skill set has a connection to your country. Born. Yeah, and it's not even yeah. necessarily born because there are a couple of couple of the Americans are were actually born in England, um, and a few of them okay. were born in another place. Okay. I mean, take take Tim Weah. His father was a guy named George Weah. Well, still is George Weah. Uh, George Weah was <laughs> well. Currently, is the president of Liberia, but he also okay. was a an excellent soccer player for the Liberian national team and played professionally in Europe. He was the first uh, African born player to be the World Player of the Year to win that award. Uh, was a huh, truly wow. excellent okay. player. Uh, but he, you know, this as it turned out, he was in. I forget why he was in New York, but he was in New York when when Timothy was born, and so. You know, he has a connection to several countries, among them the United States. But you have some, huh. their parentage matters or their ancestry or in some cases, the U.S. doesn't, I don't think, has any on this or our roster. But some countries will have naturalized citizens. Um, 
hmm. who haven't been called up for their national their the national team of their birth can be called up as well for the their new nat naturalized huh. home. So yeah, they're but but you are limited. Is that controlled by FIFA? FIFA has rules who for that in rules? terms of yeah. Who, yeah, there are there is a there is a clearly defined set of rules as to who is eligible what countries you are eligible for. Um you and I are probably bad examples because I'm pretty sure I, we are all I think I think it's up to the grandparents. So I'm pretty sure uh, I, I know all of my grandparents were born in the United States. I'm guessing yours were as well. Um, there, my grandmother on my dad's side might have been born in Russia. I don't mm. think she was, but I know her parents were. But yeah, I'm, I don't yeah. remember for sure. But yeah, it's it, so yeah, it's it's possible if I keep on practicing that maybe i can play for russia i'd have to find out <laughs> well i i i would say probably not because russia is actually good when they're allowed to compete which yeah. they aren't currently <laughs> but uh that's a different that's a different podcast uh yeah so but but you're limited to your player pool so in a sense pulisic may well be the best we have at those plus it, it could also be he's the best we have unless maybe someone might be better but his skill set is better suited to being in the box to to maybe go and win a contested ball. Looking at a player like a McKinney or mm-hmm. some of the you know some of the center backs or the wing backs we have, you know maybe their their skill sets are best suited to being somewhere else in those plays. So yeah, it's not ideal, uh, and and it's 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 especially tough because set pieces have traditionally been an American strength. It's something we've always been typically good at, and we hmm. aren't that great on them. Uh, but we've been really solid in this World Cup, so I, I'm not going to – it, it might work out. So let me ask for clarification on something just to make sure because I think in my head I've figured out there's actually two things I want to ask you about here. Mm-hmm. So the first one is uh, the term set pieces. So let me tell you how – what I think it refers to, and you can confirm or elaborate and correct mm-hmm. as necessary. So is a set piece when – you're starting a play from a dead ball. So you're able to arrange your team, however you'd like within, you know, the rules of how far away from the ball you need to be and stuff. But, um, but you're more or less in control as the ball is kicked of what happens. Is is that what makes it a set piece? Yes, pretty much. Yeah, pretty much it. So corners okay. and free kicks, corners and free kicks is, or you'll hear the term restarts as well. Cor- cor- they mean corners and free kicks. Okay. Then the other term, and and this is tricky, and I, I think it really came up a lot, it seemed, during the England match, tackle. Obviously, I know what it means in American football. It's very clear in American football. My understanding that I was able to piece together just <laughs> treating my brain like a machine learning, uh, like neural engine on, on a computer is kind of feeding it what I'm seeing on screen as they're talking about tackles. What I understand right now is that a tackle is when you slide on the field to get the ball with your feet ahead of the rest of your body. Is that a tackle or what am I missing? No, a, a tackle is any attempt made or any time you're able to to essentially stop an offensive player and get the ball off him. Uh, what you were oh, describing okay. there, what you're describing there, is what's called a sliding tackle, which is one type of them. Yeah, uh, sliding tackle. Sliding tackles okay. are very dangerous because that's a really good way to get yourself in a position where you foul somebody. Uh, right, and and, even and there a red are some card de- because your studs are out, or or you're even just a yellow in some of them. There are some defenders who will tell you yeah. they they do not slide tackle. Like they'll tell you that a slide tackle is an admission that you've been beat. Like it's a di- it's a desperation move. Huh. 
so they don't you don't want to huh. you don't want to be in a position where you're doing it um it can be done well and, and a well executed slide tackle is really is really you know is one of those kinds of things that is a if you're a, a an observer of the sport can really appreciate uh yeah, but a tackle is any attempt to make anytime you you basically take someone off the ball. You see a lot of physical contact. Tackles can le- can lead to fouls if they're not executed well. But a good tackle won't be a foul. It will win you possession back. Right. Okay. So it's when you use your body against the body of your opponent to get the ball back from him. Basically. More or less. Yeah. It's about okay. it's about taking okay. it's about taking cool. the ball off of off of another player. Right. So yeah, so no, I'm uh, I'm excited to see the match against the Netherlands, which <laughs> we are prepared for a little bit after our uh, our games against PSV, and we've talked about uh, the Dutch and uh, their soccer history a little bit. Um, so that's that's something to look forward to, and uh, should be fun. Um, moving beyond. Uh, the USA matches, a couple other things that I wanted to talk about was first uh, Fox's coverage of said matches. Um, Did you notice the weird stats that they'd put on the screen? Like uh, passes received and turnovers, like they were confused about which football they were putting up stats for. Well, so uh, the broadcasts largely all of the graphics and the camera angles you see, well, not so much the graphics, those can be Fox derived, but a lot of the graphics there and the stats given are not actually governed by Fox. They're actually given by FIFA. There is a single hmm. world feed for the world for World Cup games because otherwise, what you'd have is if you think about it, every country is covering this event, so every game would have you know sixty, seventy, a hundred cameras. You're not going to do that. So they have one set of cameras, well, right. one f- one feed, and they do a lot of the graphics. So all of those stats you see are actually going to be the kind of things, and so a lot of them, a lot of them are are really being done with a lot of player tracking technology, or a lot of technology that's that's tracking different kinds of things. The big one that to me I've noticed is is they're talking about possession, because typically when you talk about possession, right. it's split evenly, and you see this in the Premier League, right? It's split evenly right. between the two teams, and they've added this sort of. I know of where you're going, yeah. In co- yeah, the in <laughs> in co- was it in contest or I forget what it said. In contest, sort of, yeah, it was a significant percentage. <laughs> yeah, right, and and you know it's it's interesting because what they're really doing now the 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 way the ways you would actually calculate possession have to do with the number of passes you've attempted and the completion percentage of those passes. Like it, it's a, it's basically a, hmm. a, a stat derived from counting and calculating other different kinds of stats. This possession stat that they're doing is actually much more almost as if somebody was sitting there with a stopwatch and timing how much time was spent with the ball in the possession of one team or the other and adding it up and doing the math. on it. So that's one of those ways. Oh, okay. the technolo- That's really one of those interesting ways for seeing the technology change how we're looking at those different kinds of statistics. Right, right. So, okay. So what you were describing before counting passes, you're saying that's how it used to be, how outside of this World Cup, how they would track that step. But now they're using new technology, actually gauging who actually has the ball more. Granularly. Right. When you go back, and this will probably okay. true when we go when we go back to watching the Premier League after Christmas, they're going to show you possession stats. And I'm, I, I don't remember exactly how it is they calculate that one, because there are a couple different ways, depending on who you're getting your information mm-hmm. from. But it, it, it involves things like calculating number of passes, completion percentage, things like that. So it's it's a stat derived from other other calculations. 
Right. It's always two numbers that add up to 100. You don't have the third in contest. Exactly. Number, yeah. Right? The, the in contest thing is a new thing, which is kind of interesting to look at. I, I, I've only seen it intermittently when it pops up on the screen, but I'm, I'd be curious to see a little bit more about how that's how that's changing, how we think about games. Yeah, no, that uh, that is that is interesting. We'll have to try and find out more. Um, the, the next thing is I wanted to give a brief mention to a podcast I've started listening to. Um, this was something, as I've mentioned, I'm, I'm a big Apple nerd. I've been following Apple for a long, long time. I follow a bunch of Apple blogs. If something's happening regarding Apple, I'm usually aware of it. Um, they just released, it's only one of a handful of these that they've ever done, but their own podcasts through Apple news is how they're branding it. And it's called after the whistle with, uh, two familiar voices to me. Brendan Hunt, who plays Coach Beard on Ted Lasso, and Rebecca Lowe, who's one of the uh, coverage team for Peacock covering the Premier League. Um, it's it's a really good podcast. I've been enjoying their their coverage of uh, of the World Cup. Uh, they have a rapport. They knew each other since before the Ted Lasso uh, TV series. They, she was on one of their sketches that became the Ted Lasso TV series, apparently. And uh, so they, they have a good report. It's fun to listen to. Very informative. Um, I've learned certainly a lot about Brendan Hunt that I didn't know before since I didn't really know anything before, except you, you said he was an Arsenal fan, actually, right? I believe he is. I believe he is. Uh, maybe. I don't know if that's a, yeah. how recent a development that is, but I believe that's the case. Well, and it was also interesting they were talking about. So we he came up on an earlier episode when we were mentioning that he, he was shown in the stands during an Arsenal match. And that's how we were talking about him and Jason Sudeikis, who plays Ted Lasso. Um, apparently, this was something that they were doing. They were in England. They were in London shooting for the show. And they would go to all different matches around London, whatever whatever they could see. And that was something that they did while they were there for the show. So that was just one of the matches that we happened to glimpse them at. So they were all over the place. But yeah, so uh, I'll have a link to that in the show notes. Uh, I've been enjoying that, and maybe you will too. Um, I also wanted to check. Uh, I was talking to somebody today who mentioned to me that Ben White had to leave the England national team without having uh, actually had the opportunity to play yet. Do you know anything about that? Uh, so uh, there, there's very little about that. So he, what we know is he left, uh, and the this... The, I mean, I, I have it here. The this is the statement from from England. Ben White has left England's training base in Al Wakra and returned home for personal reasons. The Arsenal defender is not expected to return to the squad for the remainder of the tournament. We ask that the player's privacy is respected at this moment in time. Arsenal mm. obviously repeated that that uh, outbur- that uh, outburst. Sorry, wrong. Uh, out that posting <laughs> that statement, uh, just adding their own. We're all with you, Ben. Um, Right. That doesn't sound good. I don't want to speculate, of course. I I've zero clue. Nobody knows nobody really knows anything that's going on. Uh, you know, it, it, privacy is being respected. Um sure. Obviously we, we hope he and he and his family and everyone else are okay. Uh but I, I we don't know um in the the cold harsh reality of of you know, what does this mean for I mean, what does it mean for England? He hasn't played for England. He was you know, I guess he probably wasn't going to play much at all for England, especially now that they're in the knockout stages. So, you know, in that sense, the national team's not going to notice a whole lot. What does it mean for Arsenal? Right. It depends entirely on on what he's dealing with and when he when he comes back to the team. And I, I suspect the club is going to be as supportive as they can be. They'll keep things as private as they can when he wants to announce something. If he wants to announce something, we'll know more. 
Um, otherwise, sure. this is kind of one of those things, especially if you followed, you know, soccer closely, you're going to get a lot, any sports closely, you're going to get a lot of uninformed speculation, people making weird guesses about stuff. I, I, I would mm-hmm. just ignore much of that. If you, if you see it come from Ben White or come from Arsenal, then you can trust it. If you see it come from a, a major news source like the BBC or the Times or, or the Guardian or uh, the, the Telegraph, okay. If you see it coming from anywhere else, just don't, just don't bother. Just don't touch it. <laughs> right. Because um, most okay. of these people That's know nothing. Advice. So, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> which we'll, we'll, we'll repeat that advice right. once we get to January and we start talking about transfers, which is a slightly sillier version ah. of the same. But, but yeah, just, I mean, <laughs> obviously we don't know anything. And um, certainly we hope for the best just out of, you know, a general sense of humanity. Uh, forget, forget his right. time to Arsenal and all that. Just, Obviously, you hope he and, and everyone else is okay. Yeah. All right. So the next thing I wanted to talk about is, as I said, this is my first time watching the World Cup. I feel, though, like even if I weren't as actively participating as I am actually watching all of Team USA's matches, I feel like from all the other news sources that I follow, I would still be very aware of the World Cup. There's a lot going on as far as the the government of the host country, as far as Iran and other participants in the World Cup. There's there's a lot of protests and some interesting interesting events outside the arena that that is happening. I don't know if it's necessarily within the scope of this show to really talk about those protests. I'm just kind of curious to what degree is this normal? I don't remember ever seeing this level of kerfuffle of hubbub about stuff that doesn't happen on the pitch, you know? Yeah. So the, I mean, to a certain extent, any kind of international event is going to have a little bit of this kind of thing. You know, keep an eye out, for example, tomorrow, uh, Switzerland and Serbia will play, this being on Friday, their final group game. They played each other in the group stage, I believe it was four years ago. Uh, several of the Swiss players, including our own Granite Xhaka, are of <laughs> Albanian descent. And uh, there was ah. an incident where I mean, Albania and Serbia have a pretty pretty nasty history. Uh, one of the Swiss players, it might have been Xhaka, scored a goal and ran around and, and you can't see me doing it, but you know, made his hands in a, in a symbol that was reminiscent of the Albanian double Eagle or double headed Eagle. And he did it hmm. directly to the Serbian fans who of course completely lost their minds. Um, so, <laughs> and that was, you never get away from this stuff in international sports. I mean, the Olympics are riddled with these kinds of stories. Um, sure. There is a slightly different tinge to all of this. And a lot of it stems from, not only the nature of Qatar itself, but also the very process by which Qatar was awarded the World Cup. Uh, if you are, are you a Netflix person? Yeah. Okay. You so <laughs> you'll you'll want to check this. You'll want to check this out. They have a documentary on there, four part documentary. I think it's called FIFA Uncovered. Uh, huh, okay. It really, I, FIFA is. I mean, all international organizations are relatively corrupt. FIFA is among the worst, and it really digs into all of the various levels of corruption, how it developed, what they were doing, money changing hands. Qatar being awarded the World Cup is, in a lot of ways, driven by a bunch of money that the Qataris gave to key players 
in FIFA so that they'd get the World Cup. And there have been, I mean, hmm. that's why it's being played in December, because you can't play a World Cup in Qatar in right. June when the World Cup's typically played. Um, you know, it, it, that's why it's being right, played which in a country. ordinarily yeah. should have potentially disqualified them as a venue, you would think. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and they'll talk about this. You know, their their chief competitor for this World Cup was the United States. And the, the, all the FIFA's documentation says this. The United States was a vastly superior bid. Uh, you know, in terms yeah. of in terms of national infrastructure, in terms of stadiums, in terms of preparation for hosting Weather. this kind of large event, <laughs> uh, it, I mean, Qatar is geographically the same size as the state of Connecticut. Only everybody lives in Hartford. In this in this case, in Doha, like it, it's it, right. They, they literally don't have enough room in the country for the people who are coming to watch the World Cup. It's it's a sort of a bizarre circumstance all in itself. And then you add in. You know, Qatar, like any country, has its own particular laws uh, involving things like alcohol, uh, involving homosexuality, uh, involving some of their neighbors, mm-hmm. and and you know what things you can say. And you know, there's there's a little bit of hypocrisy, arguably, in going after Qatar when people were not quite as aggressive as the previous host, which was Russia, uh, who arguably deserves every bit of the same kind of condemnation, but. Yeah, yeah, there's a lot of things that have sort of made made Qatar a bit of a flashpoint, and and we haven't even got into the Qataris use forced labor, uh, migrants who are horribly mistreated, uh, and and many of them, the Qatari government says hundreds of them died. Uh, outside groups like Amnesty International say it's in the thousands uh, in terms of in terms of hmm. building the infrastructure, building the stadiums, uh, in terms of, you know putting the World wow. Cup on. It's it is something of a mess. And so you have yeah. all of that. Um, and then you throw in the various kind of international tensions, like, for example, the U.S. and Iran playing each other. I know you know this, but just to remind everyone, the U.S. and Iran do not have a good relationship and haven't had a good relationship yeah, for about, no. uh, you know, 40 years at this point. Yep. You know, yeah, some of that stuff is is just going to happen. Um, and it's it's all kind of building on itself in various ways. And it's 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 kind of fascinating to watch on the outside. I mean, I watched a lot of I've watched, obviously, a lot of the build up to you know, the USA-Iran game. I, some of that stuff is is gamesmanship. You know, talking about these, you know, when, mm-hmm. when you go to a press and there were there were clips of these floating around, uh, you know, you have Iranian journalists, you know, really peppering uh, Greg Berhalter and Tyler Adams with very pointed, very critical questions. And, uh, you know, and this is not to say they're not serious about their concerns, but some of that I think is also just gamesmanship, that the more you're thinking about these things, you're not focusing on the game, you're using your energy in other places, Uh, you know. But, but yeah, so welcome to the world of international sports. Right. On that point, I mean, I did hear, I think I know which specific question you're referring to that was addressed to Tyler Adams from uh, the press of Iran. And I was blown away by his answer, like, especially for how young this guy is, just extremely well thought out and diplomatic. It was very impressive. Yeah, he did a great job. First off, shout out to Wappinger's Falls for uh, our, right. our uh, it's a Valley Zone, Tyler Adams, Captain America. <laughs> uh, but yeah, he, he did a great job with it. I think part of it also is the the sense about summer of 2020, the, the U.S. national team, the team, the players themselves have been very invested in a lot of the uh, the the 
protests or social movements that have been going on since then. And so they, they have actually thought about these issues a great deal. And so he's being asked this question. Yeah. It's, it is meant to, is clearly meant to be a, a gotcha question. But, you know, to his credit, mm-hmm. he, he's obviously thought a great deal about these issues and knows what he thinks. And that that kind of confidence, it's like anything else, the practice of it, that kind of confidence does a lot for you. And you saw the answer to the, you know, you're right, was was very mature, very well thought out. Um, you know, it's, you hate to use one person as an avatar for the whole country, but really a great represent, representation of the United States, I thought. Yeah, yeah, definitely deserving of the captain's armband. Absolutely. <laughs> so... Uh, so just another couple of quick hits before we uh, sign off. So uh, first, I heard in some coverage of the World Cup, either before or shortly after it started, um, they referred to play in the National League. What is the National League? So is that play that happens internationally before the World Cup or between World Cups, I should say? Or is that talking about the u.s national league or is it an all-american like a north america south america what, what was no, that no for? no so it, it, it pretty much every country in the world has a national league like the premier league for england the bundesliga the mls and so what they're saying is they're talking about players who professionally play in their country's national league uh so for oh, a country, okay. so for like, like if you look at qatar for example every one of their players plays in qatar they play for a team in the Qatari National League. You look at England, mm-hmm. actually, all but one of their players are in the National League. Now, there's a substantial difference between the Qatari League and the Premier League, uh, which sure. speaks to speaks to the substantial difference between you know Eng- England and uh, and Qatar in so many ways. But uh, right. yeah, what it means is it's players who professionally will play in their native country's National League which we usually mean, especially for countries outside of those big leagues, is is in contrast to a country where, you know, like in the case of the United States, we've sent a number of our players to, we have guys playing in the Premier League, in La Liga, in Serie A in Italy. So we have guys playing in the top leagues, but we also have guys that we pulled out of MLS and they play in our National League. Um, so you look at a country like the U.S., you know, our National League, eh, it's not really a great place to be relatively. England, they all play for the National League, and their National League is the best league in the world. So, mm-hmm. Okay, so it's I had understood it to be referring to one National League, capital N, capital L. What we're actually referring to are many respective National Leagues with lowercase n and lowercase l. Right, so I'm just going to, like, I'll flip through the rosters here. So uh, what do I got here? Uh, Senegal is not a good example. How about, um, that's not a great one. Um, yeah, so here's, so like Ecuador, for example. So if you look at Ecuador, I'm just going to pick a name off their roster. Um, oh, who is their big name player? Uh, where is he? Uh, Ener Valencia uh, plays for a club in Turkey called Fenerbahce. Fenerbahce is a big name internationally, certainly in Europe. Most Europeans, they, Europeans know who Fenerbahce is. Uh, but you look ahead to, you look down to uh, their keep, uh, one of their keepers, Moises Ramirez, plays for Independiente de Valle, which is in Ecuador. So he plays in the National League. Mm-hmm. And the difference there is, if, you, if you're on the broadcast and you say Ener Valencia plays at Fenerbahce, most people watching are going to go, oh, okay, Fenerbahce, I know that. 
But then you have, mm-hmm. you know, Alexander Dominguez, who plays at El Diuquito. Where the heck is El Diuquito? <laughs> uh, so you say the National League rather than naming their club. You, you'll, they'll alternate it with the place right. in the Ecuadorian League. You know, right. if you look at it's the, a symbolic name, right? Exactly. So if you look at the U.S. U.S. roster, uh, you know, Christian Pulisic plays at Chelsea. Okay, I know Chelsea. Uh, whereas Jesus Ferreira plays for FC Dallas. What? Who? Right. So he plays in his national league, which in, in the case exactly. of the United States is MLS. Right. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Clear. Um. One thing, there is one stat, which apparently may have come from FIFA, not Fox, who I was blaming, but defensive line breaks. What does that mean? Is is that when a defender gets the ball and then breaks away out of like into the offensive zone? Is that what that's referring to? Yeah. So so basically, if you if you tend to watch players and. You'll see some of this a little bit in probably some of the, especially the pregame or postgame shows where they'll draw graphics. And what you really talk about is the banks of players. So we'll talk about the formations, mm-hmm. like a 4-4-2 four, four, is the sort of traditional standard. The U.S., a 4-3-3. Three, three. Ideally, your defenders, your, your back four, your back three, your back five are going to be playing in a line. And obviously, the line will be adjusted. The, the, the outside backs will push forward. The center backs will be dropping deep, or maybe they'll be in slightly different positions. But by and large, they're roughly going to be in a, a relatively horizontal line. Defensive line breaks is about an offensive player who's able to break through that. Typically, I think, and I haven't seen this oh, stat a lot, okay. but I think they typically mean that in terms of a pass. So a pass that gets through the line is a break, you know, and is completed is a defensive line break. Uh, or, you know, a player who's able oh, okay. to push his way through. So I, I, I'd have to see it in the context, larger context it was given, but I, that's generally what that means. It basically means did you break through their defensive line and set yourself up for a, a scoring op- goal-scoring opportunity. Okay. Yeah, I mean, the, the only context is the specific numbers they gave. It was just an on-screen stat box right, yeah. showing defensive line breaks and then the two teams' totals. So, so yeah. Okay. So it's basically the exact opposite of what I thought it might be. <laughs> Okay. Great. So yeah, I'm uh, I'm excited for uh for the match this weekend in the group of 16, United States playing the Netherlands. Uh what else is on tap coming up for the next uh, couple weeks of World Cup play? Yeah, well we are uh tomorrow, tomorrow for recording being Friday is going to be the final group games. Uh I'll highlight these from the Arsenal perspective because actually I'd say Arsenal players have had a haven't done a whole, they they it, well, it depends on, on what you're looking at. So uh, Brazil will play Cameroon tomorrow. Uh, plus, uh, uh, so that'll be include uh, Gabriel Jesus and Gabriel Martinelli. Or maybe it won't. They haven't actually played a whole lot. Although Brazil looks just fine. So, you know, hard to, sure. hard to say they're missing too much there. Uh, Brazil has already advanced to the knockout stages. Theirs is about seeding. The other game in their group includes uh, Granit Xhaka and Switzerland playing Serbia. Uh, the winner of that game, I'm, I, I believe the winner of that game goes through. I think Cameroon is is in trouble. I'd have to pull up the standings hmm. quickly. I think, oh, well, yeah. Oh, well, no, actually, Serbia is behind Cameroon, I think. Uh, if You know, as an Arsenal fan, I'm kind of rooting for Switzerland, I guess, to see Xhaka through. Um, and he, right. he'll, I believe he captained Switzerland and he played, he's played almost all their games to this point. Uh, tomorrow we'll also see uh, Thomas Party and Ghana. Uruguay, they are also uh, Portugal has advanced out of their group 
And so the two of them, uh, Ghana and Uruguay, are essentially playing for uh, that second spot. Although Uruguay only has a point, Ghana has three. So if Ghana, if they draw, Ghana would hmm. advance, depending on That's how good. South okay. Korea does against Portugal. Again, live standing stuff. But it looks like it looks like yeah, uh, it, uh, there is a very real shot that all uh, I believe Arsenal has ten players at uh, this World Cup. And it looks like a shot of all of them advance, potentially all of them advancing to the round of sixteen, uh, with the obvious exception of Ben White, which we've already discussed. Right. Um, looking ahead, uh, who who is in the knockout stage on Saturday? Uh, Matt Turner will be in goal for the U.S. against the Netherlands. Plus, you'll have Argentina, Australia. These are round of sixteen games. Uh, Sunday, we'll see uh, France take on Poland. William Saliva is probably going to be on the bench. Uh, he he only got a little hmm. bit of time in their last game. France was already through, so they heavily rotated their lineup, and he he still came off the bench, so he probably won't play as much. But France looks really really good anyway, so again hard to fault them there. Uh, also on Sunday, uh, Bukayo Saka and England will play Senegal. Aaron Ramsdale will be on the bench again, likely, and I suspect you won't see him in the rest of the World Cup uh, unless uh, Jordan Pickford hmm. gets hurt. Uh, on right. Monday, we know Japan is through. Tomi, Tomiyasu, Tomiyasu's clearly been fighting off an injury. He's he hasn't played as much mm. as you might expect for Japan. Uh, the Japanese are being very careful with him, which makes sense. They will play Croatia, and then that's likely we will when we will see Brazil. Brazil, I think, will win their group, and that's when they are their game would be played probably possibly against Ghana. And then on Tuesday, we know uh, Morocco and Spain, and then I think that's where Switzerland would play if they were to advance out of their group. So, um, Okay. Although I suppose I guess they could pass Portugal technically. But anyway, yeah, that's probably what you're likely to see. So a lot of things are going to get settled in the next couple, uh, you know, tomorrow, or out the groups will be settled tomorrow, and then we enter what's called the business end of the tournament, the knockout stages where... Um, <laughs> After so we we've talked about this a little bit. So they'll play ninety minutes. If they are tied after ninety minutes, they will then play thirty more minutes of extra time, divided into two halves of fifteen minutes, uh, which is which they will play the full half hour. So that the, whatever goals are scored, they'll just keep playing until they're out of time. And if they're still tied after after extra time, uh, then you'll have the penalty shootout. And I really really. Do not want to see the U.S. in a penalty shootout because I don't know if I can take it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> unfortunately, our record would indicate what a roughly sixty-six percent chance that that's how it goes. <laughs> so yeah, I'm there with you. I hope not. Yeah. But <laughs> yeah, um, you actually reminded me about something when you were talking about the different live standings possibilities um, and, and what's actually required to move on. Is This is interesting. This is really my first tournament, actually, that I'm following closely. One tidbit that I found really interesting is uh, the commentators or podcasters, I forget who was saying this, but they were talking about in the group stage that the final two games uh, in each group will actually always play simultaneously for the last however many years ever since some team intentionally held back and <laughs> didn't score because they wanted to advantage uh, the, another team that was in the other game in their group or something. Uh, so to avoid that, they play simultaneously. <laughs> yes, that was that was in 1982. It's The story has been popping up again as it does every time you get to the stage of the tournament. It was called the Disgrace at Gijon. It was in Spain. 
uh, Germany okay. and Austria knew, or West Germany at that point, they knew that going into the game, if Germany won 1-0, both of them would go through at the expense of, I believe it was Algeria. So the Germans scored in the first 10 minutes, and then the two teams basically just did nothing. I The fans were booing. <laughs> um, like Apparently, I think they said the Austrian broadcaster just over the air just said, just turn it off, change the channel, do something else, nothing's happening, this is a disgrace. And so, I mean, mm-hmm. it, it totally makes sense from a competitive standpoint, but obviously you can see why everyone would be bothered by that outcome. And so that's, oh, sure. when, they, that's when they put them, and it does create some pretty fantastic drama. I, yesterday, uh, with with Ar- Argentina and, and Mexico and that group, uh, oh, man, I mean, Mexico had a goal that would have put them through, but it was called off or offside. I just So they ended up going out, just... You know, it really does create some pretty fantastic drama uh, late on. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, looking forward to it. So we'll see how that goes. Uh, but next time we record, we will we'll know how far the U.S. has gotten uh, <laughs> one way or another. Yeah. Uh, I, it, may, it may be if we're doing it two weeks from now, They, I guess we would be through the at least through the quarterfinals, probably into the semifinal round, possibly. So we'll, we'll have to see how that goes. Well, the, the so, final, the final uh, is the 18th. So I don't know when we're, I guess it depends. Are we thinking what the, yeah, two, we're doing our two weeks. I guess we'd be right about through the quarters at that point. So we'd be, the semifinals would be yeah. set up. Yeah, maybe then we'll, we'll stop the two-week cadence and get it in a week after to, to get to strike while the final iron is hot and talk about that we'll, we'll have to play it by ear see how it goes so uh thanks for joining us at gooner U. we're on apple podcasts and spotify and some other places and we appreciate you subscribing to our show and sharing it with friends if you want to listen the night we record you can become a gooner U super fan on apple podcasts to download a raw unedited recording right away after we finish recording uh, right now it is 10 12 eastern standard time in the united states I imagine this raw, unedited version will be up there by maybe 11 o'clock or so. So as soon as I can get it up there, I do. Uh, Again, my name is Dove. You can find me on Twitter at Dove Frankel. And with me, as always, is Keith. You can find him in a pub watching Arsenal matches or maybe this time uh, on a sofa watching World Cup matches. (laughs) See you later, Keith. Adios, my friend.